Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to say to you, it's uh, almost the end of the year 2020. And I'm going to deal with two questions today. Why did pagans worship Jesus at his birth? And why was Jesus born when he was born? The title of this episode is Happy Birthday, Jesus. And I'm so glad that you can be with me. And this has been a year and a half, hasn't it? It has been insane. I believe the better days are coming. I believe that we'll have a good year next year. Uh, you must believe the same thing because uh, good things come to those with positive thinking. Uh, yeah, I want to thank each and every one of you that have been listening to the show. Thank you for your contributions, those who have sent messenger, mess messages, those who've asked questions. And I hope that you have had some value um, that have come your way as you um, have been shaping your worldview. Um and I hope that you've gained some knowledge that you were capable of sharing with other people. So without further ado, this week is, it's the 20th of December today, but this week is the birthday of Jesus in the minds of many people. And I just would like to share with you two ideas, two thoughts that I think will be valuable to you. And it goes back to the birth of Jesus and asks the question about his birth. Why did pagans worship Jesus and why was Jesus born when he was born? Now, let me give you to deal with the first question. Let me give you. Well, let me just start us on a journey and just tell you a little bit about, of history. Um, the uh, prophets, the Jewish prophets, they prophesied and gave messages from God. And those messages, prof, prof, prophecies were um, both proclamations of what's going to happen in the future, but also proclamations as to what God's will is. And so the people of Israel, the Jews, they were highly dependent upon the work of the prophets in order to receive knowledge from God. But the last prophet that spoke, his name was Malachi. And he wrote prophecies about 400 years before Jesus came. So just picture that for a moment. You had words from God. In other words, God revealed himself and spoke to the people of Israel through the prophets. But the last one was Malachi. And then suddenly for 400 years, you hear nothing from God. Then suddenly Jesus is born. And so for these 400 years, my question is, how did the Jews handle that? What did they go through during those 400 years? Well, they knew that somebody was going to come. They called him the Christ or the Messiah. And they knew that he where he would be born. They knew that he would be king of the Jews. They knew a bunch of prophecies about his life. In actual fact, more than 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, the prophets already spoke about. And so time went by and Jesus just didn't come. He was just not born for 400 years. And that's a long time. You know, sometimes we look at our lives, maybe 40 or 50 years old, and we feel like we've lived forever. That is nothing. These guys waited for four hundred years. For the first one hundred years, the Jews were okay under the reign of the Persians. They could practice their religion in peace. Um, then Alexander the Great came on the scene and he allowed or he forced Greek culture and language to infiltrate the, the Jewish lands. The Jews could still worship their God in peace. But after his death, Judea was ruled by a series of kings of whom the worst was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. 
Around 167 BC, this guy overthrew the rightful line of the priesthood and desecrated the temple of the Jews, defiling it with unclean animals and putting up a pagan altar. His act, the Jews interpreted, it's, it's the equivalent of rape in religious terms. Eventually, Jewish resistance to Antiochus, led by a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus and the Asmonians, restored the rightful priests and rescued the temple from the, from the power of this, this bad guy. The period of the Maccabean revolt was one of war, violence, and infighting. And then in 63 BC, Pompey of Rome conquered Israel, putting all of Judea under the control of the Caesars. And that eventually led to Herod being made the king of Judea by the Roman emperor and senate. And we know that under the Herods, the Jews were not happy. I mean, one of the key things that we read at the birth of Jesus and during the life of Jesus is that Herod was the king and the people didn't really like him. So that's a short history of these uh, 400 years that the that the Jews didn't hear anything from God. It was a time when um, they were ruled by other nations. It is a time when they were ruled by bad kings. It is a time that they their language changed. It was a time that they didn't have any power and they wanted to rule themselves and rule their own country. And so people during these 400 years, they were really crying out to God and wondering. The prophet said that somebody would come. When is he coming? And so they asked questions like, when will the Messiah come? When will we be vindicated from these pagan kingdoms and be released from their oppression? When will the spirit of Elijah rise and save us? The generations of the 400 years of silence were looking forward in anticipation of the birth of Jesus Christ. So the people in this world that were looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ the most were the Jews. For 400 years, they had heard nothing from God. For 400 years, they were looking forward to this Messiah coming. And then Jesus is born. The birth of Jesus Christ. That is the worldwide topic of this month. Now, I don't know about you, for in case you don't know that, there are many um, Christians who would tell you that we have not been told to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The Bible does not tell us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The Bible does not say anything about a special festivity on the birth of Jesus. The Bible does not say that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. That might be striking to some of you. He was probably born somewhere in March or April. Um, that's all another discussion for another day, but he wasn't born on 25 December. 25 December is too cool in Europe, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East, and the shepherds were out in the field when Jesus was born, and that is very unlikely that the shepherds would be out in the field in the winter. So uh, we don't believe that Jesus was born uh, during the winter. So we can also be sure, if you've read your Bible, that Santa Claus is not in the Bible, that... Uh, we don't read anything about Christmas trees in the Bible or those balls hanging from the trees. Uh, we don't know anything about we giving each other gifts on Christmas and giving our children gifts. So um, it raises the question then, or shouldn't we just kick out of the door this idea of Christmas? Now I'd like to say in this um, podcast that the birth of Jesus is one of the greatest events that the world had ever seen. Um, it is extremely powerful and it contains various things that are important for us to understand. And I think this topic is relevant. If you don't believe in Jesus, then this is a relevant topic for you. If you do believe in Jesus, it is also a relevant topic for you. 
So let me start by looking at that first question that I asked. Why did pagans worship Jesus and where do I get that from? Well, Matthew was a author of the life of Jesus and he wrote down quite a few interesting things. And in his cha second chapter, when he writes about the birth of Jesus, um, he, he picks up something interesting that n the other uh, gospel authors do not really speak about. And it's the visit of the Magi. Now, you might not have read this before or heard of it. So I'm going to read it to you so that you know what it's about. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. There we go, Herod. Magi uh, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You see, there's one of the prophecies they've been, they've been dreaming about for 400 years. And that is in the book of Isaiah. Anyways, verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the, them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I find this story absolutely amazing. Out of all the people that were excited about the birth of Jesus, these guys were the most excited. Now, who were they? You will hear a lot of Christians talk about the three wise men and they call those guys the three wise men. Well, they, they weren't three. First of all, as you heard me read the text, but uh, tradition says that they were three because they brought three gifts. Later on, some people identify them as three kings. Even their names have been suggested to be Balthazar, king of Arabia, Malchior, king of Persia, and Gaspar, king of India. So these guys came from far, but I don't think that's really the case. You see, a magus, <coughs> excuse me, a magus is a priest in a religion called Zoroastrianism. It's a religion that is still functioning today. There are about 110,000 worshippers in that faith. And the word magi, as we read here in Matthew chapter 2, is a plural term. In other words, these were a group of people. They were worshippers of a Persian god by the name of Ahura Mazda. And this word magi or magi is where we get the word magic from. So these guys, they were magicians and astrologers. Their spirituality incorporated the stars. And you know what? These guys were good at their job. They came from the east. They came from what we understand today as modern Iran. And the question is, why were they so happy? Do you know why? Because it probably took them about four months to get to Bethlehem, to travel 1,500 kilometers by foot through their calculations, 
their worship of their false god, their observation of the stars. They were led from deep in pagan territory to come and bow down to a king who became a baby. All right, and that is Jesus. This was the greatest astrological experience of their lives, and that is what they lived for. So from their pagan religion, they could calculate using the stars when Jesus, the Son of God, would be born on the planet. And that is absolutely phenomenal, because some astrologers today can even pinpoint back when this actually took place, um, according to the stars. So what's the point here? God called the wisest men from the heart of the pagan world to come and worship Jesus. He draws excitedly respected men from Zoroastrianism from the heart of Iran to Jerusalem to worship the king of the Jews. Now, if you've been keeping track of politics, you will see that the Iranians and the Jews, they despise each other. Iran hates Jerusalem. Well, hates the people of Jerusalem. So if you look at this in the light of contemporary politics, how, how Iran bows down to Judah, it's absolutely amazing. These guys brought three gifts. They brought gold that is usually presented to kings, frankincense presented to gods, and myrrh used for embalming the dead and so the pagans confirmed with these gifts without knowing it that jesus was king that he was god indeed and that he was going to sacrifice himself on a cross for the human race we see here gentiles bowing down to the son of god now what's the point god does the same thing today think about it he gets the whole world inspired to remember the birth of his son this week whether they believe in him or not. Just think about that. Billions of people who follow Jesus, some of them, some of them don't follow Jesus, some of them hate Jesus, some of them don't care. They're going to celebrate Christmas. So in a way, it's very much the same. They are going to celebrate the birthday of a person they don't even know, whether they're pagan or not. Whether there's paganism in the Christmas ordeal or not, whether uh, Christmas is in the Bible or not, millions of people, are going to sing joy to the world and away in a manger, whether they live for Jesus or not, whether they respect him or not, whether they know it or not, they praise him on his birthday. Somehow, God has allowed millions of homes to light up with Christmas lights, <coughs> sorry, signaling that his son is the light of the world. Millions of evergreen trees have been set up, which is linked to the life of the, that the son gives. So we can really sit and criticize all the non-biblical ideas of Christmas or we can sit back and watch people celebrate the birthday of someone they probably don't even know and that in itself is for me a miracle that in itself for me is sort of is evidence of the existence of God listen <coughs> you are quite special if people celebrate your birthday and they don't even have a relationship with you and it does it really doesn't seem like Christmas is going to die away soon but you do if you're a Christian, and that's why, that's why you are a follower of Jesus. And I just want to say that wise men still seek Jesus. These were the wisest men of Iran, and they were looking for Jesus. And I want to say to you who's listening to this, who sometimes feel like people are mocking you for seeking Jesus and following him, just remember John 8 verse 18 verse 37, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That is what Jesus said. 
If you're on the side of truth, you listen to Jesus. The truth, as we can see lately, is a very hard thing to find in our world. Look at the U.S. elections. It's a battle over truth. What is the truth? Was there interference in the election, for example? When you look at social media, it's so hard for us to find the truth. We can't trust the news channels. Where do we find truth? Jesus said everybody on the side of truth listens to him. So even if we're a minority that's looking for the truth, it is okay. And do not forget that Paul told the Corinthians that Jesus on the cross, the message of Jesus on the cross is foolishness to the world. So many people do look at us who really believe in Jesus and say, you guys, listen, you, you guys are following a really foolish thing. Some guy who died on a cross some 2,000 years ago. <coughs> so expect, expect that people will see us like fools. But do not forget Psalm 14 and verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the reason why God calls him a fool is because he looks at the mountain. He cannot understand that there's a God. He looks at his own wife giving birth to a child. And he can't understand the miracle of that and point out that there is a God. He looks at creation. He looks at his own heart and he doesn't want to acknowledge that there is a God. He cannot even make himself breathe, but he doesn't want to acknowledge that there is a God. That's why he is a fool. And I want to say to you, never deny him. Never deny him and never stop seeking him. The great apostle Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. I want to share in his suffering, conform to his death. Even the great apostle who met Jesus still said he wanted to follow him. So wise men make it their first goal to find Jesus. Their first goal is to find Jesus, not money, not perfection, not success, not business, not esteem, not popularity. Their first goal is Jesus. And the Magi, they had reasons to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because more than 600 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet already celebrated his birth when he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is giving, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ meets every need that we have. Therefore, his birthday is special. When he entered human existence, our deliverance started. Because it was the birth of our Counselor, we are not alone. It's the birth of our Warrior, we are not weak. The birth of our Father, we are not orphaned and let alone. The birth of our Peace, we are not at war. We are servants of Jesus. So question is why did the pagans worship jesus the answer is why do the pagans still worship jesus because god is celebrating the birthday of his son and he gets the whole world involved in the process even china is making christmas trees even though it's an eastern pagan religion even they are making christmas father suits they don't believe in jesus they probably don't even understand what it is all about let's talk about the second question why was jesus born when he was born you know one of the things that christopher hitchens always points out and i might have pointed this out in a previous podcast and i'd like to just point that out again <laughs> he says that it is quite widely accepted that the human race as we understand it is at least a hundred thousand years old in other words about a hundred thousand years ago the first human being was fully developed through the process of evolution and he says, well, that is quite um, a problem for him when it comes to God, because the human race have been on the planet for 100,000 years and they have died. They have grown and died out through various world events. Um, they've been destroyed by natural disasters. And God is all this time sitting in heaven, folding his arms and 
looking at them thinking shame poor you guys you know you are just dying out and he doesn't do anything about it why did jesus not come right at the beginning of time now i'm not going to um debate the age of the human race of the age of the earth i'm just going to give you an answer that i think was profound that was given by dr william lane craig and i think that this is i think mr hitchens is asking a very valid question why did jesus come at the time that he came why didn't he come earlier and here is a, a good answer according to population statistics there have been about 105 billion people that have ever lived. So think about that. 105 billion people that have ever lived and only 2% of them were born before Jesus. Just think about that. There's been about 105 billion people that have ever lived and only 2% of them were born before Jesus. You know what that means? It means that 98% of the world's population was born after Jesus. 98% of the world's population were born after Jesus. So when we think about the time before Jesus, we think that there were billions upon billions upon billions of people that lived. No, very few people lived before Jesus. And this is not what the Bible says. This is what secularism says. And so let's go with the secularist facts. You see, and that's interesting because Jesus showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. At exactly the time that Jesus came was the start of exponential growth in the world's population the world's population has multiplied and multiplied numerous times over the last 2000 years more than the supposed 100,000 years before that jesus came at exactly the right time because the jews were prepared roman peace dominated the roman world it was an age of literacy and learning the stage was set in galatians 4 verse 4 says when the time had fully come god sent his son into the world now let me expand on this and let's go back to the jews who waited 400 years for the messiah to come for 400 years they didn't hear anything from god what happened in the during that time well let's talk about travel for a moment and the Romans themselves were part of the answer. For the first time in history the, history, the Mediterranean world, the cradle of civilization, was unified at the time that Jesus came. Alexander the Great, a Greek, had been the first to bridge so many nations, but the Romans had built a foundation that would last longer. They had constructed the famous Roman roads. You've heard the saying before, all roads lead to Rome. Do you know why that is said? Because the Romans built roads, 400,000 kilometer of roads that would allow messengers to travel safely with news and ideas as Paul and the first missionaries did. Ships too had become of age. Egypt, Italy, Syria, Spain, so many nations shared the highway that the Mediterranean Sea had become. Here was yet another means for the message of Christ to spread far and wide. There was also the Pax Romana, the Roman peace that endured from 27 BC until AD 180. And Jesus was born right at the beginning of that. Jesus was born in the same generation in which this um, Roman peacetime began. And it meant a relatively calm environment for the lower regions of Europe, Asia Minor, the Middle East, Egypt and Northern Africa. And in, in a city such as Jerusalem, for example, the Jews were allowed to preserve their own faith and customs. In the time of Jesus' life, Rome, Greece, Babylon, Persia and Egypt were relatively peaceful, having come to a cessation of the major hostilities that had plagued the area for centuries. And this meant travel was fairly easy. Now, in, in case that what I just said was complex, let me just point it out. 
during these 400 years when the Romans had taken over, it's like first Alexander the Great had unified the world and then the Romans came and they solidified the whole world and then they built roads and there was peace. One big nation and there was roads. Why were the roads important and the ships? So that when Jesus came into the world, his message that happened on the cross would spread so easily throughout all the world. And that's what we read in the book of Acts. Paul and his companions, they traveled by ship and by road all over the world from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. That is why he said in Colossians 1 verse 23, in his opinion, the gospel had spread within 30 years to the whole world known world without emails without facebook without audio it just spread throughout the known world let's talk about language and literacy the romans had taken efficient control of much of the known world but they were still overshadowed by the by the greek uh, predecessors in one respect for many years people almost everywhere continued to speak greek now, Hellenic Greek happened to be one of the most beautiful and articulate tongues the world has ever known. It seemed custom built for the ideas that distinguished Christian life and thought. Would the world have learned Hebrew in order to consider the claims of Christ? It's hard to imagine. But the shared language, Greek, made it possible for Paul and others to travel to many countries and tell people the good news of the gospel without cumbersome translation. The world was also already uh, culturally connected. Wars were minimal. No resources could be devoted to culture, philosophy, and education. Oh, resources could be devoted to culture, philosophy, and education. Um, a singular culture spread across the region, ensuring most people understood a common language and even the adherents of the most far-fetched religion were familiar enough with the reigning philosophy that meaningful communication was possible. So what do we find so far? During this 400-year period of silence, God allowed the Romans to produce a world filled with peace so that when the message of Jesus came in, it would be easily accepted. God also led the Romans to build roads to take hold of the ships so that the message of the cross could spread throughout the world. But during this time as well, the Greek language infiltrated the biblical lands and became a sort of a universal language, very much like English, so that the message of the gospel could be spread throughout the world in that one tongue. Other thing as well is spiritual hunger. The region was not only culturally coherent, it was spiritually hungry. The ineffectiveness of the Roman gods was becoming more and more evident. The claustrophobic Roman rule kept Jews on the lookout for the promised Messiah to deliver them. And individuals were seeking for something better in their own lives, beyond the state and the state-ordained religions. Um, so, the Jews were hungry for Jesus to come. The pagans of Rome were fed up with their gods they were looking forward to something new to come god had prepared roads god had prepared a language those 400 years of silence was annoying but god was preparing the world for the birth and mission of his son god was busy using the romans to build roads so the early disciples could travel and spread the message god was busy in politics laying the stage for the great roman peace which was necessary for the settlement of the christ faith he was busy teaching the whole world the Greek language that would be most fit to carry the message of the cross. He was busy creating a hunger in the hearts of his people, preparing them for the birth of his son. So let's answer that second question. Why did Jesus come at the time that he came? Because it was the perfect time. It was just before the world population exploded. It was the perfect time because of language, because of travel, because of the spiritual hunger of the people. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you believe in God, I'd like to say to you that God is always on time. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything is gorgeous. Everything is perfect in God's time. Not your time, not my time. God is not early. God is not late. Let me conclude with some thoughts. And these are just some spiritual tips I'd like you to take with you. You have something to learn about Jesus. If you don't know him, be wise. Get to know him. Don't make judgments about him if you haven't met him. Never think that you know him enough if you claim to know him. Not even Paul was so arrogant. Always anticipate finding more of him. Always learn more from him. And you do that through the word. You do that through his people. Don't think you are wise, but you never read the word of Jesus. Prove your wisdom by seeking him. Secondly, you might be waiting for God, waiting for him to do something in your life. Allow God to take his time. Don't rush God. You want a new car? You want a new wife? You want healing? You want resolve in your business? If you walk by faith, lean on prayer, then let God do what he needs to do. Trust him. And also, don't wait for God to do things in your life if you're not seeking him or following him. Don't expect anything from him. He is busy preparing the exact right context to bring birth to your needs at exactly the right time. Let me conclude and just say, happy birthday, Jesus. We believe you live. We don't know on which day you were born, but we thank God that you were born. Ladies and gentlemen, may you have a wonderful Christmas festive season. May you remember Jesus and honor God through that. May you be prepared in your heart and mind to make 21 2021, I'm an amazing year that you seek to solidify your worldview and if you believe in Christ, to make your relationship with Him more secure. Love you all and have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.